look at the book of Colossians, the letter to the church at Colossae, uh, the book of Colossians chapter 3, and we'll look at the first four verses from chapter 3 from the English Standard Version. It should be appearing on your screen uh, momentarily, uh, Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 4. <laughs> from the English Standard Version, you'll find these words, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will also appear with him in glory. Again, look at that second verse there. It says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. We pray to God add a blessing to the reading of God's word and that it continues to find a place of transformative power uh, in your life. Listen, we're going to uh, tag our text today uh, with a familiar title, Mind Management, Part 3, Mind Management part three, mind management, part three. Uh, in the culmination of her research on human thought and behavior entitled Mindset, the Psychology of Success, Dr. Carol Dweck introduces the idea that humanity has both a growth mindset and a fixed mindset that influences the successes that are experienced. She defines a fixed mindset as when people believe their basic qualities, like their intelligence or their talent, are simply fixed traits. They spend their time documenting their intelligence or talent instead of developing their intelligence or talents. They also believe that talent alone creates success without effort. On the other hand, a growth mindset is believing that our most basic abilities can be developed through dedication and hard work. Brains and talent are just the starting point. This view creates a love of learning and a resilience that is essential for great accomplishment. In essence, her research finds that the main difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset is the perspective with which we view our talent and intelligence. The perspective we find and we discover, the perspective we have matters. The direction from which we uh, approach a thing often makes a difference in what we see. We can be looking at something one way or thinking about something from one angle, but sh a shift in our perspective will change our interpretation, it will change our motives, and it often will change our behaviors. And often, uh, the perspective from which we see is not one that we often will challenge. Yet, this is what Dweck's re research challenges us to do in part. That in order to grow, we have to learn from our mistakes, be open to new information, and even, from, and even learn from listening to the perspective of others. Y'all, the truth is we haven't seen it all. We haven't uh, done it all. We don't know it all. We haven't learned it all. And we can grow best when we are open to at least investigating the perspectives that will elevate and enhance our lives. 
God, this only this applies for our life in various aspects. It applies in the education arena. It's a, it applies in our workplaces. And yes, it even applies on our faith journeys. We have to manage our mindsets so that we can live from a perspective that allows God's power to be at work within us. And this is what Paul is addressing in, in our text today. Uh, he is writing a letter to a church that he had not directly planted and to people he had never met, but yet Paul was providing redirection for their challenges in doctrine around, who, around what they believed, rather, about Jesus Christ. They were being drawn into religious practices that called uh, for looking holy, but did not actually lead to life change. They were doing what they had always been taught to do. Uh, these practices were, were being pushed by the influences uh, in Colossae were devoid of the power uh, in the gospel, the power of the gospel and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They may have led to a life that appeared disciplined through denial uh, and ind of indulgence in various behaviors. But the genesis of these practices weren't found in the centrality of Christ, but through dependence on human action. And you read uh, Colossians chapter 2, Paul unpacks what this looks like uh, for the Colossian church and for us. But I'd like to pause here parenthetically uh, to suggest that perhaps maybe we've become too attached to, to, to traditions and the expectations of others and it has stunted our growth and development in regard to who God has created us to be. Maybe, maybe we've become too married, too connected, uh, too integrated with things that are, are standing in the way of us moving to where God desires for us to be and existing in a way that God desires for us to be. Uh, uh, we block God's power at work within us when we become more attached to, to finding our identity in, and faith in anything that is not Christ first and foremost. To be a follower of Christ encompassed in the power of God shown uh, is shown in the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, is to primarily find our identity in the divine. Finding our identity in divine, our primary identity as disciples uh, is no longer in our family. It's not in our church. It's not in our job, in our position, in our tradition, in our political affiliations. These are all creations that can't save us, but can be used to transform us. However, uh, we can't allow the methods that God uses to become the idols we worship. We can't allow, let me say it again, you ought to type this in the comments, we can't allow the methods that God uses to become the idols that we worship because God will have moved on to something else and we would have missed it because we're spending our time worshiping. Uh, at the foot of what has become a golden calf, y'all. We have to recognize that God moves, God shifts, God changes approaches, but if we are too locked in to what is going on now and not how and where God is moving, we will be left behind in our growth, left behind in our faith, left behind in our power, in our impact for the kingdom of God. And maybe the reason that we've been stuck is because God has moved and we haven't moved. Maybe the reason uh, that we've been stuck is because God has moved on. God is on to the next thing and the new thing that he's asking 
you have you not perceived it, but we're still stuck expecting God to move in the ways that God used to move. And we're standing there waiting on God to show up in ways that he used to show up. But God has moved on. This is what God was seeking to teach the Israelites in the wilderness by telling them to follow the cloud by day and the fire by night in order to know where to go. God was teaching that no matter that God is a dynamic force and not to get too attached to anything, to any place, to any possession, to any relationship over your relationship with God. And it just might mean that God, it, it has to use something major in uh, in our lives in order to help remind us that it's time for us to move. Uh, some of us, to be honest, have been chasing, uh, like the church at Colossae, this appearance of holiness and righteousness without actually allowing our lives to be transformed by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is what we follow, and our lives are transformed as we follow the Spirit. And in many ways, this is what has been exposed even in the last two years as we've uh, become accustomed to accessing, uh, accustomed to access for our faith journey uh, being uh, restricted. Uh, don't get me wrong, y'all. I want to be back uh, in church like everyone else. I, I want to physically gather in the building, uh, but not be in church in person shouldn't have stopped any of us, not me, not you, uh, from finding new ways to keep our faith growing. But that's, y'all, why we started prayer lines and virtual worship experiences. That's why we've used Zoom and good old phone calls to connect and to reconnect with one another and to connect with God because our, own, our only connection, uh, only our connection to God and to community of faith ought not be showing up on Sunday morning but we ought to be doing it in some way every day because that's how we grow that's how we maintain that's how we develop that's how we mature in our faith y'all the goal of the Christian life isn't to look the part but to engage in the process of becoming it is more about the application in and to our daily lives over the appearance of living rightly we can get so caught up in trying to avoid the wrong things that we miss focusing in on the thing, focusing in on and doing the right things. And this is the argument that Paul is making as he closes chapter 2 and continues into chapter 3. The do nots don't, don't change us. When, and when we focus on what we should not be doing, we don't have the energy to direct our focus on what we should be doing. We, we can miss the things that we ought to be doing uh, for the things that we're trying to avoid doing. We say, don't go over there. Don't do that. Don't be around that uh, person. Don't do that behavior. Don't give in to that vice. But we ought to take that energy and focus it towards where we want to be going to show love and to show joy and to stand up and raise our voices for justice we ought to put that energy um, and direct that focus on what we should be doing according to the will of God and the spirit of God will constrain us and keep us and guide us and direct us and as long as we are following where God is leading we will find ourselves aligned with God's will uh, and this is Paul's focus in the opening, opening verses of chapter 3. He writes to help the people of the Colossian church to understand that the centrality and the supremacy of, uh, supremacy of Christ in the life of the, the 
of the disciple. It is the foundation on which all areas of their lives ought to be built. Because of the redemptive work of Christ, the way we think and in turn the way we live should be transformed. And last week, y'all, we talked about what it, uh, what we choose to think about as we manage our mind. That how we manage our minds is uh, will impact our outlook on, on life. Uh, we have the choice on where we should focus, what sources are influential in our lives, and how uh, we ought to allow our thoughts to operate in our lives. Paul reminded us last week that we should practice our thinking so that our thinking becomes evident in our practices. And in many ways, this is what uh, he sought to help the church at Colossae with in this letter because they were being pulled away from the centrality of Christ and the power of the gospel to help them rightly believe and behave as they lived out their faith. And so he reminds them of their connection to Christ and the child and challenges them that to be all uh, to be all that the influence that God has given them uh, and allow the influence of Jesus Christ to, to drive their pursuits. And this is the challenge for us as we manage our minds that we move toward letting the gospel message influence our thoughts and actions. We have to be honest with ourselves about the things that are primarily influential for us and recognize that allowing God's power to be at work within us uh, means relearning and unlearning life. Uh, relearning life from a God perspective and unlearning life from the way we used to live it. God has placed more potential in your life, in my life, in this church's life than what we are currently realizing and we have to move out of the way of what God wants for us by allowing our own desires and pursuits to align with God's mission and just as we can choose our thoughts we can choose the perspective from which we live our lives we can decide what will be the driving force for our pursuits we can choose our mindset and allow it to set the course for how we live our lives for the glory of God so then as we're in part three of this uh, mind management series what do we learn about mind management uh, from our text today from uh, from this third chapter of this letter to the Colossian church. Well, the first thing that we discover uh, in our text is that managing our minds means standing in our identity. Yeah, yeah, managing our minds means standing in our identity. You ought to put that in the comments right now, standing in our identity. Paul begins in chapter 3. Verse 1 saying, if then you were raised with Christ. We'll stop right there. If then you were raised with Christ. For a better part of the preceding chapters, Paul has been doing a deep dive reminder about who Christ is and how the believer's connection to Christ should impact their spiritual stand. And as he makes his pivot into the practical applications of these realities, he begins with this foundational theological truth about the resurrection of Christ which is the starting point of faith. Paul is essentially saying, if this is who you say you are, then this is what should be driving your life. Yeah, he's saying, if this is who you say you are, this is what should be driving your life. Your identity as a beneficiary uh, and a conduit of the resurrection power of God in Jesus Christ. And perhaps this is where we have to be very clear about what our identity as Christ followers is. 
if we aren't careful, we can be distorted by so many other opinions, so many other influences, so many other perspectives that sound right but are in conflict with the truth of who God says we are. Our identity is with God through Christ and who we are should be the power behind how we think, where we focus and what we do. Uh, that doesn't mean we're always going to get it right. We're going to miss the mark. But our testimony ought not be that we aren't striving to live in ways that don't line up with who we are and what, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. This is Paul's aim as he reminds these believers that they have been raised with Christ. He goes on to say in verse 3 and verse 4, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That just as they shared in the redemption of his death, they shared in the power of his resurrection and will share in the glory of his appearing. That by claiming faith in Christ and God through Christ, they were in union with him. Uh, the work and the work of salvation, justification, sanctification, and eventual glorification that has been initiated through Jesus Christ. Uh, this is uh, important because of the philosophies and uh, the practices and the principles that were distracting them from their faith were ones that emphasized them rule keeping uh, as the emphasize them keeping rules rather as the way to right right living. In other in other words, they were practicing what is known as legalism. That as long as you check all of the right boxes, you'll be in God's favor. But as soon as you miss one, then you're guilty of breaking all of the law. Uh, but Paul is saying to them. Them, that it's not rules that make us better. It's our relationship with Christ that makes us better. Rules don't make us better because you know what they say about rules. That rules are made to be broken, but it's our relationship with Jesus Christ that makes us better. God's power doesn't flow through rules. It flows through relationship. Uh, Y'all know one of my favorite movies is The Lion King. One of my favorite movies is The Lion King. Uh, I love animated movies. I'll tell y'all about the time I cried at one recently, but we'll get to that uh, another time. But one of my favorite animated movies is The Lion King. The Lion King, The Lion King. And there's a scene in The Lion King where Simba, uh, who is the main character of the movie, uh, has been in exile from his homeland of uh, Pride Rock. And he is at a moment now, after encountering uh, after encountering his childhood friend Nala and running in uh, to uh, and running into an old, old uh, wise sage from the community named Rafiki, an old, uh, an old monkey that Rafiki leads him to a pool where he sees his reflection. Uh, and then he has a divine encounter. Simba in this moment is wrestling with whether or not he should stay in exile in the lavish and plush land where he is with Timon and Pumbaa or whether he should return to Pride Rock and to take his place as the rightful king of Pride Rock uh, in a place that's desolate and barren because his uncle Scar has run the place down. Him, Scar and the hyenas has run the place down, run off all the cattle, killed all the vegetation. But at this reflecting pool, uh, Simba sees his uh, his reflection uh, in the pool and sees uh, uh, it sees in him the reflection of uh, his deceased father Mufasa uh, who shows up uh, in this windstorm in this cloud storm and reminds him that the way that he has been living doesn't reflect who he is as the child of uh, of the great one of the great kings of Pride Rock and and then Mufasa encourages him to take his place in Pride Rock and take 
Isaiah takes its place rather in the circle of life uh, saying to him uh, remember who you are you are my son the one true king remember who you are and I just believe today that this is what God desires for us to do to remember who we are not based on what others have said but on what God has said remember who you are not based on what we have done but on what God has done remember who you are not based on what we think about ourselves but on what God thinks about us remember who you are not based on any relationship that we have or don't have here on earth but on our relationship with God through Jesus Christ we have to remember who we are we have to remember that we are made in the image of God we are created for good works we are a ma masterpiece of creation we are sons and daughters of the most high God we are granted dominion over the earth by God we are saved by the imagination and initiation of God through Jesus Christ we've been formed with purpose on purpose uh, and in purpose we have to remember who we are and stand in our identity yeah, you ought to type that in the comments right now. Type, I remember who I am. I'm standing, standing in my identity as a child of God. I am a child of God. I am a friend of God, as Pastor Colvin sung moments ago. Yeah, if we're going to manage our mind, not only does it mean standing in our identity, but it also means and it requires us setting our intentions. It requires us uh, setting our intentions. Paul here continues to say in the verse, first verse of chapter 3, that if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. The idea that Paul is communicating here with the word seek is one of an intense pursuit and an intense focus on claiming something for ourselves. This is carried over into verse 2 where Paul says, set your minds on things above. Paul's point here for the Colossians was to re-centralize Christ as the focus of their seeking. The practices that were being pushed on them were not from Christ. They were from the traditions of men and were presented as a central focus for right living. However, uh, these aesthetic practices or these practices that were of severe self-discipline and abstention from uh, various indulgences didn't lead them into right living in and of themselves. The practices that they were, uh, being, were being pushed on them were a, mean, were a means of seeking. This means of seeking was a, was a means and not an end. Paul was leading them to be more intentional about understanding the end and the reason and the motive for why they were doing what they were doing. Uh, to be clear, y'all practicing the disciplines of the faith are an important part of our journey. Staying away from the vices that pull us away from God is vital to maintaining our connection with God. However, if our motive or uh, if our motive or our intentions are not right in the process, then doing things will become a meaningless exercise in false humility and self-righteousness. This this is what Jesus always condemned the Pharisees for that you walking around looking good and looking pious uh, and looking like you're fasting and looking somber, but on the inside, it's all about making sure that you look the part and not that you're actually living in a way uh, uh, that honors God. Uh, in other words, our intentions in our in our minds are not primarily 
if rather our intentions in our minds are not primarily about our relationship with God through Christ, then we need to check our motives for what we are doing. So what are you pursuing? What are you intentionally focusing on? And more importantly, why are you doing it? Uh, because it's the why that will sustain us and hold us and keep us when it gets hard and when it gets challenging. It's the why that will, that will keep us steady and keep us stable and give us the strength we need when we want to throw in the towel. Uh, last week, y'all, we were, we were reminded that what we focus on, we magnify. And if we want to increase our connection with God, we have to set our intentions that whatever we think, say, and do will start with God. Just as Paul had done in his other letters, he is encouraging us to redirect our minds. Uh, in, Philippians, uh, in Philippians, Paul gave a list of things, but here he gives a location. He, he says, redirect your minds from things that are on earth, uh, where, but uh, to things that are above, where Christ is at the right hand of the Father. Uh, this is important because the right hand of God is symbolic to the power of God. And y'all, this is exciting because this is where Jesus is sitting. Jesus is sitting in the power seat right beside God on God's right hand. This is good news for us because as we set our intentions toward the things that are above, we become more aligned with the power of God working on our behalf. This isn't about a material prosperity. This isn't a name it and claim it thing that I'm telling you about today with a promise of riches and fame but it is a promise that we will be working and moving in the power of God and as God's power works God's joy flows as God's power works God's peace reigns as God's power works God's love rules as God's power works God's protection keeps us as God's power works the blood of Jesus that reaches from every mountain and flows into every valley will strengthen us but our intention y'all has to be singular we've got to set our intentions on one thing and our declaration ought to be that of the psalmist that one thing I've desired of the Lord and that will I seek that I will dwell in the house of the Lord and I will gain to gaze on the beauty of his temple and to inquire in the beauty of the Lord's temple uh, we've got to set our intentions that we're going to delight ourselves in the Lord so that my heart can align with God's heart and that God will then give us the desires of my heart We've got to uh, set our intentions to commit our way to the Lord, to put our trust in God, to put one step in front of the other in the direction that God leads us. We've got to set our intention to seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and trust that God will take care of everything else on our behalf. Our intention has to be aligned with our lives, uh, has to align our lives with the mission, the movement, and the power of God in Jesus Christ. Yeah, you ought to put hashtag align me with you, God, in the comments right now. Align me, God, with what you're doing. Align me with your power. Align me with your mission and your, uh, your, your ministry and your will in the world today. Managing our minds uh, means standing in our identity. It means it, it requires rather uh, setting our intentions. And finally, uh, it allow managing our minds allows us to seize our influence. Yes, seize our influence. Seize our influence. Paul says in verse two, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on uh, earth. We got to be careful about how we read this and about how we interpret this. However, 
Uh, because as my dad told me one time, when I first started preaching, he said, don't be so heavenly bound that you're no earthly, uh, no earthly good. And so we've got to be careful that we're not just taking and saying that we just think about and do things that are focused on mind, but understand that there is an interaction taking place here. And that Paul's suggesting, Paul's suggestions rather in these verses is not for a life that is lived passively, meditating and waiting for the moment that Christ will appear in Christ's glory. It's not a focus on being heavenly bound as an escape for things that are on earth. Uh, and yes, while that is our eternal hope, that one of these good old mornings, uh, that the Lord will be caught up in the sky to meet the Lord on our way to our heavenly home, that is uh, our eternal hope. Uh, we ought to be reminded that eternal life doesn't begin when we die, but eternal life begins when we decide to say yes and while we are yet living on this earth. Yeah, eternal life doesn't begin on the day you close your eyes for the last time, but it starts the moment you say yes unto the Lord. Uh, it is a hope. Uh, for the it is uh, eternal life rather is a hope for the not yet that transforms how we live in the right now uh, hear me today uh, setting our minds on things that are uh, above is about allowing the perspective of heavenly hope to influence our earthly reality let me say that again that as we set our minds on things that are above uh, it is about uh, allowing the perspective of heavenly hope to influence our earthly reality in other words not only are we excited about going to heaven, but we're just as excited about bringing heaven to earth while we are here. Yeah, that's good right there. Uh, and this is the influence that we have because we are connected to Christ. Uh, that we are actively seeking to, cre uh, seeking, uh, to create by the guidance of the Spirit uh, what the hymn writer calls a foretaste of glory uh, divine. Yes, it's only a glimpse of glory. Yes, it's only a piece of glory. Yes, it's only a peak in what is to come in the great by and by but it is enough to transform relationships and realities right here on earth uh, this is what paul is pushing us towards in the text to set your mind uh, set your mind on what's happening here uh, in heaven so that you can manage what's going on here on earth set it uh, on the truth and the reality of what's happening above where christ is at the right hand of god so that the request of God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done that we learned in the Lord's prayer can be made manifest through our lives and if we read further into chapter 3 uh, into chapter 4 we will discover the practical ways that Paul presents uh, this influence that we have that we have now uh, that we now have opportunity to seize and allow to work in us and through us he, he presents the practical ways for what it looks like chapter 3 uh, verses 12 through 14 says Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. And above all of this, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Paul writes in chapter 3, verse 17, and whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything 
everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Yeah, chapter 3, verse 23, Paul says, whatever you do, work heartily as if for the Lord and not for men. And if you flip over to chapter 4, Paul says, walk in wisdom to outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech also and always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. All I'm trying to let you know is that when we find ourselves standing in our identity, when we set our intentions, it allows us to seize the influence that we have, that wherever we go, whoever we're around, wherever we do, whatever we do, we can have an impact for the kingdom of God. When we set our minds on our connection with Jesus, we have the influence to impact every place and every space that we find ourselves and our goal in every relationship and in every conversation in every interaction and with every responsibility and in every uh, in every location is that God's power can flow through us in practical and excellence and influential and impactful ways uh, when our perspective is to glorify God and y'all this is the example uh, that Jesus gives us even through his life because if you check the story in the timeline of Jesus's journey here on earth he managed his mind and made um, and maintained his connection with God by being intentional about seizing his influence that's how he ended up in the temple as a boy uh, teaching the teachers how to teach that's how he ended up at 30 years old at the Jordan River with John the Baptist that's how he ended up uh, surviving and making it through the wilderness being tempted by Satan this is how he ended up time after time in the gospels on the mountaintop in prayer uh, seeking the face of the Lord this is how he ends up walking on water healing the sick correcting those who are out of order teaching his disciples and living a life alongside those whom he was called to journey with and when it was time y'all Luke tells us somewhere around chapter 9 or 10 that Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem and set his face towards a hill called Calvary where he was able to do the most influential thing that anybody has ever done by being hung on a cross where they hung him high and they stretched him a while put nails in his hands and his feet and pierced him in his side and on that day on that Friday that we call good he died uh, yes he did he died but you know what the story doesn't end right there because they put him in a borrowed tomb but earlier on Sunday morning he was resurrected by the power of God resurrected and brought out of the tomb by God's power and that's the same power that's at work within us that's the same power that we have access to just like Jesus left the tomb we've got to make sure that we're using that power and allowing allowing it to help us to not hang around in dead places just like Jesus spent his time being and ministering with those who were in his community we ought to live our lives with to serve one another just like Jesus lived with supernatural power with the ability to do impossible things we ought to do 
the same by the power and the enabling of the Holy Spirit just uh, as Jesus uh, in, in those final days after his resurrection looked towards heaven knowing uh, that soon enough he would be there uh, we've got to live our lives with the heavenly perspective knowing that we are citizens of heaven knowing that one day we'll be there but right now we've got work to do down here that right now we've got to let our heavenly hope in a heavenly reality impact the lives that we live right now the lives that we live at home the lives that we live with our families the lives that we live in our churches in our communities the lives that we live as we as we stand up for justice and try to see a, a, a better world brought forth here through the power of God that God's kingdom would come that God's will would be done but we've got to set our minds on things that are above we've got to seek and pursue the things that are above where Christ is at the right hand of God sitting in the seat of power and let the perspective of heaven empower our entire lives right here on earth we're gonna manage our minds it requires us shifting our perspective not focusing so much on everything that's wrong right here recognizing it's a reality not negating it or ignoring it but sitting up and looking at it from a heavenly perspective we set our eyes set our minds and our hearts on things that are above that God would empower us to stand and to deal with the realities that we face right here each and every day. It's about shifting our perspective. It's a growth mindset. Changing our perspective to a heavenly one that honors God and brings God glory. Amen. Let's pray. Let us pray. God, we pray today that you would be with us, that you would stand by us. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for these moments of proclamation, for Paul's encouragement, for us to set our minds to seek the things that are above, that we might live our lives from a different vantage point than those who may be around us, that we can yet still see hope and opportunity and grace and a chance for you to transform things where people see it as hopeless in the dead end. God, help us to shift our perspective always to focus in on where you are and how you're working so that we can have the impact that's needed here in our world. God, we pray now for some man, woman, boy, or girl who is connected, tuned in right now to this particular moment of worship, this moment of gathering. We pray, God, that you would touch them right now, Lord God. Help them, God, today to say yes unto you. God, they will say yes unto you by even committing their lives to following the person and the example of Jesus Christ. Allowing your power, power of your spirit to be at work within them. God, we pray for one who needs to rededicate their lives as well as one who, are, who desires to partner today with the church, with our church here at TMCBC and the work that you're doing through us. God, help us this week that you would help us, God, to see things from a different perspective, from a heavenly perspective. Not just see them for what they are, but that we can see where you're working, that you would reveal to us where you're working and, God, allow your power to flow through us to bring forth the change that is needed. God, we pray this week that you would be with us, open our eyes, help us to see things from where you are. 
see things from above, to live with the heavenly hope, even as we face our earthly realities. We honor you and we thank you, God, and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.